There'll be food and drink and ghosts. And perhaps even a few murders. You're all invited. Welcome to Fear Feasts. I'm Ali. I'm Vanessa. And we are your hosts. Ali, how Vanessa. are you? How are you? <laughs> how are thee? How have, I am, how I have am, thee been? I am quite well. How 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 art thou? I, I don't know my Shakespeare. I, I have to be better. Okay. <laughs> I have to be, I have... <laughs> Um, I, we watched this film together and I heard Vanessa scream for the first time, The Dark and the Wicked, which is a film we'll be talking about today. And uh, I heard Vanessa screaming for the first time. <laughs> we were both sincerely, sincerely kind of shocked by this film. Oh god! Uh, and yes. I'd already seen it. So mm-hmm. I think we'd, we'd both already seen it, but we still screamed because it's yes. just one of those films. So we look forward to talking about it. Yes, today. The Dark and the Wicked. Another one of those movies that Ali recommended that has is going to give me nightmares for a while. Uh, excellent movie. Uh, if you have not seen it, you know, both of us, I think, give it a, you know, five stars. But it is a, it's some heavy. It's a heavy movie. It's definitely uh, it's it's enjoyable, but. You know, you you have to really. So it was funny because uh, I know Ali and I. I told her, um, Ali, you know, I really have to psych myself up to watch this movie again. I need to go read some Danielle Steele and you know some Harlequin romance novels and just put myself in a in a in a good place because this movie is you know this movie will fuck you up. So um, Ali, you know, if you would would you would you do the honors and give the the synopsis in your in your inimitable fashion. I'd love to. It starts off on a farm with some goats. It's most really terrible films. That's the most terrifying, you know, and you know it's going to be terrifying. It starts on a farm with goats. It's like my nightmare nightmare come to life right there. (laughs) Exactly. If you see a goat, I would just say, just just run for it. Just run (laughs) for the hills. I like... (laughs) It's really creepy. There's no music to begin with. You get these wide shots of this farm and kind of there's a the sense of like how hard farm, farm life is really. And you see uh, a, a, a woman, an elderly woman, should we say, and she's in a room with mannequins and I think she's looking at something, sewing, sewing something, perhaps something to do mm-hmm. with, with clothes, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. She's and then a... she goes in and we get the goats again. Oh, and, those goats! Know, it was, I think, some, very clever foreshadowing with with the goats there, don't you think? Yeah, it's it's a bit frantic, but this story is about, and it's a, and it's a wonderfully, I think it's a wonderfully told story. Mm-hmm. And also, though I didn't really know any of the actors, I thought the acting was really great as well. Um, and and it's about a family, and I think at the heart of it, probably it's about the family members not being able to communicate with each other or mm-hmm. some sort of grief or loss going on Mm -hmm. and so the children of this family come back to help the mother because the dad is dying and it's all about this evil force that presents itself Mm -hmm. in different ways and it tricks them and it's um and it's a really devastating story in in more ways than you could imagine and some scenes are quite difficult to watch but I do not regret this and you've had a couple of years to watch this film now so we will be spoiling it for you yes because that's what we are we are the despoilers maybe hey maybe we should we're not devils, maybe we but... should change the podcast name to the despoilers hey i like that idea yes <laughs> the devil and the despoilers the devil and the despoilers oh my goodness that's us which which one of us is the devil and which one of us is the despoiler i don't that's mind being the devil 
Okay, um, that, that works. <laughs> this devil this... season is so long, isn't it? We're doing a long devil well, the season. Devil, there's so many you know, satanic films. I know, I know. The devil is is a, is a source of a lot of uh, rich content for us. You know, we're gonna we're gonna mine this as long as we possibly can. But you know, the devil and the devil and evil and food. There really are a lot of connections. It's interesting. So many, so yeah. many films, and where the, where I think the devil. It might, and even in this film, I wanted to ask you what your thought was because. Mm-hmm. We don't ever have a clear idea whether it is the devil, but it's, yeah. it's stated in, one of the ju- in a journal that the mother has. But it could be just an evil force or a monster or yeah. some sort of poltergeist. But we know there's some religious element involved. So, mm-hmm. But anyway, let's go back to the beginning because there's this bit at the beginning. And Vanessa, I looked for that bit where you said that you saw the devil's eyes. Is that mm-hmm. right? In the farm? It's in the yard, very, in the, it's in the opening scene. Um, so, you know, the, the movie opens on it. this farm. It's a split second. You have to really, really, I would, I would recommend watching it like on your laptop and then just doing it like split second screen okay. and then just try to find it. But I, I had to watch it like that scene three or four times to try and find that devil. So, yeah. So, um, yeah. So, in the, you know, with the opening scene when the mom is working in her, in her, in her little atelier, making dresses mm-hmm. with these mannequins you know obviously she has to sew her own clothes because she lives on a farm you don't get a sense that they live close to anything or anyone else so it makes sense that she's sewing her own things and then she goes to take care of the goats and you can see that she's the one taking care of everything on this farm because the father her husband is bedridden he's in a coma it appears he he doesn't he can't move he's he's in the bed pretty much the entire movie and just I thought what was so amazing about this movie is that, you know, the, the director who is Brian Bertino, who did um, The Strangers, another movie I can't watch. Um, he's so really good with atmosphere and he's so good at creating this sense of just isolation and loneliness. And it's just that to me was the scariest part of the movie, that just sense of being utterly alone. And um, yeah, so the mom goes into the, the farm, into the farm where the goats are. And, you know, she's doing whatever it is that you do what, what whatever one does with goats i have no idea i'm a city girl Not much yes if you leave it up to me right yeah so also you know obviously goats are symbolic for the devil so you know a little there was that was a little heavy-handed i thought but no i mean it was it's an incredibly well done film and as the movie goes on you see the son and the daughter come home to help their mother now that their their dad is sick and basically on his way out of this world and I think, you know, for me, I think the film, obviously it's, it's, it's on the, on the surface as you and I have talked about many times on the surface, it is a horror film. It's about this supernatural entity that comes into this family and wreaks havoc and destroys everybody basically. But it's, it's also about family dysfunction. And what I, one of the, one of the cool little Easter eggs in this movie that I thought was so great was the family name is Straker. So for all my Stephen, all of our Stephen King fans out there, uh, Barlow and Stryker, the vampire from Salem's Lot, thought that was an interesting little uh, homage to the king himself. But um, was that the name is, on the gates of the gate yeah, of the farm? So the that's their surname. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So the two ch- the two adult children are Michael and Louise. They come home to try and help their mother, and their mother is not at all happy to see them. She keeps telling them you shouldn't have come. You know she's you yeah. Can tell she she didn't want to- them. No. And as you know, the movie progresses, you know, more and more horrible things happen. The mom, um, the mom is chopping vegetables, you know, to get into the food. Uh, the mom is chopping vegetables one night to make dinner. The son, Michael, is at the table. The daughter, I think, is sitting in with the father. 
And the mother, you know, you can tell something awful is going on with her. She's chopping and chopping and chopping, chopping carrots. Oh my God. And then she, in like possibly one of the more gruesome scenes I've seen in, in recent, uh, recent horror theater, she proceeds to chop off her finger and then she completely proceeds to like chop up her entire hand. And it's like, oh dear God. And we have a, in a way we have a slow build up to this. First of all, we have the days of the week are kind of announced because it's so eerie and there's no kind of structure to the film yeah. in that sense. Because it could be, it seems always dark. It seems like there's always the same kind of atmosphere mm -hmm. and it's heavy. Um, so the days of the week kind of help us understand. So there's like the first day you get her chopping but she's chopping onions and mm -hmm. she can hear something creaking behind her and it's the chair and it's like someone sat down behind her and she turns mm -hmm. around and that's extremely creepy and then nothing and then this is when she's hands. still completely alone the kids haven't come back to the farm this is yet. before yeah mm -hmm. so then there's when they do come back then she's probably it's not that she doesn't want them around because in the beginning we don't really understand why and then we understand probably it's to protect them because there yes. is some sort of evil evil force and we see that because it kind of takes hold of her and she as you said dices her own she just, not just cuts off her finger but she then dices the bit of the finger that she's cut off Ugh. on the uh, and that's where that's I, I'm just going to just say that we I'm going to structure this podcast this time based on the screams that Vanessa um, <laughs> kind of cried out at different points in the film. So this is scream number one, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> scream number one. You didn't tell me you were you didn't tell me you were keeping track of that, Ali. Yeah, I've, I've made a lot of it. So this is quite an acute scream. This is, you know, and then she's not looking. And then I had to say, right, you can open your eyes again. So that's that. So she's <laughs> I couldn't watch it. I couldn't watch it. I, I'm very, I think I've said this before. I'm very susceptible to jump scares. I, lo I love a good jump scare. I'll be the first one to say, yes, yeah. I love it. But I mean, this one was, this one was just brutal and, and body horror. And you know, it reminded me, you you often get chopping scenes and, and it increases the tension because obviously there's a knife involved and many things can happen and obviously you can cut yourself, the knife can go flying, mm -hmm. um, all sorts of things can happen in these scenes. But it reminded me of another film called Maggie, which is about a girl that slowly turns into a zombie and she's also cutting, um, there's a there's a kind of, let's call it a finger finger scene a finger a, a tragic finger scene there as well she's cutting <laughs> vegetables in the kitchen yes. and I'm sure there are many other films that have this moment where Probably. you get this build up and then you can see behind then there's kind of that mm -hmm. fridge and I don't know if you notice Vanessa but there's all those colorful post-its on on the fridge and it just seems like mm -hmm. a normal fridge and the kitchen also seems like a normal a normal kind of kitchen it's not particularly joyous but it's not depressing either it's kind of you can see that they the have been in the life movie, there the kitchen is probably mm. the most cheerful room in that house that house itself is extremely dark even in the daytime uh you know it's yeah. it's it and, it and again it goes to what you and i have talked about in previous episodes about you know particularly with domestic horror which this very much is is that so there's so much of the active the action and the activity that takes place in the kitchen because the kitchen is the, yes. heart, the heart of the home. And in this case, it's where so many awful things happen, but it's also where people go to have nourishment. The conversations that the majority of this family have are, are around, around the kitchen table, or they're sitting on the yes. front porch drinking beer. Um, you never see them sitting in the living room. You see them in the kitchen, you know, and, and the sad thing is that they don't really communicate with one another, the brother and the sister, like you can, 
you, you can see how they both feel very guilty that they've sort of neglected their parents because there's a scene mm. where the brother asks, you know, when's the last time you talked to mom and dad? And she says, at Christmas. And, you know, it's yeah. obviously cold, so that you're coming up on Christmas again. So the impression is that it's been close to a year. It's been a long time. And yeah. the dad is in a and coma like now. So the fact that, you know, he, he was still able to talk and communicate when she spoke with him last, that tells you some significant time has passed. And so there's but, some but the, communication yeah. issue there. Yeah. And then the brother, the, and bro you the said brother's not any better because he, you know, when all the awful things start to happen, like he never wants to talk about anything. He's always like, I don't want to no. talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. Yes. And you said that the chopping scene, the one where she she was chopping carrots and that's where she kind of dices her own fingers. But before then, in the middle, there's a dinner scene, isn't there? And it's one of the mm -hmm. most probably awkward and uncomfortable dinner scenes. Mm -hmm. um, we don't really see what they're eating, do we? No, no. But it's some kind like of, they're not really kind of meat, some other. kind of roast or chicken. Whatever. Yeah. And I thought that was an but interesting not... scene because it really that is the first scene that you see with them sitting with their mom and she's talking and she's telling them you shouldn't have come, you shouldn't have come. And you really see the lack of communication there. Um, you see why, you know, maybe, you know, in a sense, why these kids have sort of isolated themselves. You know, you don't, I mean, as I think all of us know who, who, who have families, every single family has its dysfunction. Um, this family, they put the fun in dysfunction, I think. Ha ha, get it? Ho ho. Yeah, I know. There's my cheesy pun for the for the episode. But obviously, really allowed one. Yeah. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> but obviously, kids learn behavior from their parents. So it does sort of make you start to think, especially once once they find their mother's journal after okay, so let's go back to the chopping scene. So after the mother chops her hands, she then um she then goes to the out to the farm and then they cut to a scene where the kids come into the kitchen, they see the blood everywhere her son sees the blood everywhere he runs out to the to the barn and he finds her body hanging she's she's apparently hanged herself. Of course they're totally traumatized by that and in the aftermath of the mother's apparent suicide. They get a visit from a, na a neighboring priest ostensibly and he basically says, you know, evil is all around, whether you believe in it or not. And they both get angry because they they've found their mother's journal and their mother talks in the journal about how there's this evil spirit there and it's it wants the father's spirit and wants makes her want to die. I mean, that, that's the exact words mm -hmm. in her in her journal. And then it ends with her saying devil, devil, devil. How's your father? He's fine. Well, that's good. I think about him a lot. You really think the devil's out there? That's your truth? Your mama died. You heard her words. Her warning. You think she's crazy because she saw a wolf? Saw him coming? He's not out there. He's already here. So, so if, if the, can I just say, if yeah. the devil, then the devil is so strong. So I think a lot hinges on this. What I don't get is if the devil wants the, the father's soul, 
why doesn't he just take it? Why does he have to kill everyone around? Like, what is going on here, do you think? What is he punish? Who is he punish? Or does he want to punish the rest of the family first and then take the soul? Or I mean, I think be? you could look at it in, 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 in many different ways. To me, I didn't get a sense that it was like the big D, Lucifer, the devil, like the devil in the exorcist or anything. I got more of a sense that it was just some evil, I don't know, evil big iteration. D. <laughs> the big D? Yeah. Big, thing. big D know, is right? It's a, it's a D, it's a little that? D. It's not, it's not big D. Do you think it's, it's like a little D, D, D like a demon D? Okay. A D, a D, a D, a demonette. A D <laughs> it's a demonette. But then there is a lot of trickery and like, I feel mm -hmm. like he's playing around with them. Maybe mm -hmm. you're right. He's more of a trickster. Mm -hmm. He's like yeah. a poltergeisty, isn't he? He's a and I think, impersonating I mean, and yeah. 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 And I mean, I think, I think really at its heart, I think it's meant to show that, you know, evil can get you no matter where you are, no matter what your circumstances are. Um, in this case, you know, there's not really any explanation given. Like my, I remember when I first saw the movie, my initial thought was maybe the mother had in some way invited it in. You know, she was so by herself, she was so alone. Maybe she had done something, maybe she had, like I said, you know, played with an Ouija board or something like that, you know, trying to have some, I don't know, company or something. That was that was sort of my thought when I saw it the very first time is is perhaps the mother in some fashion had invited it in. And then us watching it the second time around, I started thinking a little bit more and thinking, you know, maybe. So, yeah, maybe the dad, maybe the dad, I mean, the, the dad, you don't really get to know anything about the father. I mean, you know, he's in a coma and that's really it. And the kids but we have see not... that she Louise kind of hugs him. She seems to have a good relationship with him. Mm -hmm. And yeah. um, just going back to like the table scene, because he talked about the dinner. Mm -hmm. But then after the mother dies, then there's this scene where they're just drinking coffee and there's very little food after that. There are very little moments then where there are a few moments where they're actually consuming anything and it's mostly coffee. And she's having a cigarette at the table and then putting the ash in the coffee Yes. maybe she wouldn't have done that if the mother was still around it's not the kind of do thing that you do it's not the kind of thing that you do with a parent around perhaps I might be wrong but it seemed a bit like she just let herself go even more mm -hmm. and yeah. it all seems like a really tense tense situation and I wonder if with all those goats around and um, it being a farm and farm life being so difficult if maybe there was something in there about it being a transition between generations where that farm life was over and like there was no way that it, mm -hmm. that it could carry on they were both the kids had both gone they'd grown up and they'd yeah. left and they didn't really want to be in touch with the parents in that way anymore or carry on the farm so it was the end mm -hmm. of an era and yeah. is there something in evil of, in that do you think maybe I think possibly. I mean, it's 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 kind of a, not a rite of passage in a sense, but it is sort of the. I don't. I wouldn't even call it a passing of the torch. It's it's maybe sort of the 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 inverse of that. It's punishment for not not carrying on, not passing on the torch, or not taking not taking on these 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 responsibilities. Um, you know, obviously, farm work and and things like that. You know, that tends to be generational. It's passed down from the father to the son or to the children. And you don't get a sense of either one of those kids having any kind of involvement with that farm. Um, you know, obviously they grew up there, they're both comfortable working on the farm, but the son has, you know, married, he's got his kids, his daughters, his life is away from there. And then the daughter, Louise, you know, you can tell she's even more distant than anybody. You know, she isn't, she isn't married, she doesn't have kids. You don't really know what she does for a living, but there's a scene where her brother asks her, 
are you still with the post office? And she says, uh, not for a really long time. So, you know, they're obviously not close to one another at all. But I, I thought it was interesting because you, it's not even a matter of like distance between them. Like you get a sense of actually, like there's some level of dislike between them because, you know, at the very beginning, not the very beginning, but when the kids first come back to the farm, the daughter Louise comes across her brother working on a car, trying to change a tire, I think. And there's the the neighbor who lives close to their parents, who's their only friend, is there helping him. And the brother Louise says, "Oh, hey, can I give you guys a hand?" And her brother, real sarcastically, says, "Oh, there's Superwoman." You know, he could have said anything else. He said, "It's like, hey, sis, thanks. Yeah, we appreciate it. Or no, we've got it under control. Blah blah blah." But he starts off making a really shitty comment, and that I yeah, think well, this that's film the is tone. full of resentment, isn't it? This film is full yeah, is is heavy with resentment, and mm-hmm. there's some sort of sibling thing going on here where they they just haven't had a chance to communicate. I think at the core, they all love each other really in in a, in in a way, mm-hmm. but I just I don't think they're able to express it, and they they have real difficulty talking. The only moment where I saw Michael, the brother, opening up a bit more is when he also sees the dead mother and that's a terrifying moment he sees her from the wind from inside his bedroom and she's outside isn't she in the garden and she's, she's and it's, off after, it's already after they've found her her body hanging terrifying. so she's dead and then he looks out his window you know it's a scary scene overall because he's asleep in his room the light flips on he he's like what's going on he goes he turns it off he goes back to bed the light flips on again he gets up he looks out the window and he sees his mother his dead mother's body coming toward the window and then she starts to float and that's like creepy as hell oh my god and she's she's grinning isn't she and then suddenly she's just next to him and it's it's a little bit like Ariaster's hereditary which i know you haven't watched but there's kind of people floating and suddenly this where they're in one spot and then oh i can't wait to watch hereditary with you ali are you gonna are you gonna keep track of my screams again well this is scream number two i was gonna say everyone Scream number two. Shut up. Is when Michael <laughs> sees the dead mother floating outside his bedroom window. I did not also scream. Quite I might have. I might have shrieked in a low tone. I did not scream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I take, that I take great issue with 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 that accusation. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, it was ter- it was a really scary moment, and I think. Um, and that's one of your that's, that's one of your triggers, isn't it? In horror, seeing people float. Yes, I really think that's one of the things that really that and also like in that film, the pretty thing that lives in the attic. In no, in the walls, something like that. It's on um at the moment mm-hmm. it's on Netflix. I think it actually. is the pretty thing. Yeah, that the pretty lives thing the that lives in the walls in, in the walls, I think. Um and it's she was walking backwards. So anything that walks backwards but the feet are facing to the front and anything that floats are uh, uh, for me quite difficult to to watch. But um, in an enjoyable way, if that makes sense, you know, yeah. like terrifying in a, in a nice way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so that's kind of the scene where after that, Michael <clears> kind <throat> of opens up a bit with his sister, doesn't he? And they're on the porch again. And he's yeah. saying, look, I've, I've been seeing things. And then the phone rings mm-hmm. and you get another really spooky moment with this landline. And uh, it's weird to see a landline, but it is an old fashioned house, isn't it? You said mm-hmm. it reminded you a little bit of houses back then when I don't know did you say your grandmother's house was is that the style of it it reminded there were a lot of elements of that house that reminded me of the house that my great-grandparents lived in and that when they passed away I actually lived in for a little while when I was older um 
it just it was just you know the it, it the room the, the house was very similar like the house in this movie you don't get any sense of there being any hallways there's just like there's, there's the living room and the parents bedroom is literally just right off the side of it there's no hallways and then it opens up into this big old-fashioned kitchen and there's the rotary phone on the wall i mean my grand great grandparents had the same rotary phone on the on the wall in fact it was funny because um I, my nephew, one time when he was very young, he came to stay with me when I was living in that house. And um, I had explained to him what that phone was and I had to show him how it worked because he had never seen a rotary dial phone. It's one of the funniest memories I have of my life. But so seeing her pick up that, that, uh, that rotary phone, it just, it brought back a lot of memories. It was really, I mean, one of the, one of the very lighter, and it's not even a light moment in the film because she picks up the phone and it's her dead mother telling her, I told you not to come. And Jesus Christ. And so she makes a very fateful decision to unplug the phone. It's that priest. Come outside. What are you doing here? It's like three in the morning. Come outside. You can't just show up here. Wait. Don't wait. fucking go and that comes back later to bite them in the proverbial ass because as the devil continues to wreak havoc he uh he basically wreaks havoc on anybody and everyone who comes around the the nurse 
she 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 she's she's meets a particularly gruesome end. The neighbor friend uh, who's frantically trying to call them one night to warn them about something, you know, he can't get through because she's Louise has taken the phone off the hook. That was another interesting little subtext of the movie, I thought, um, and I want, I was wondering if you, what you think about it. So the neighbor, and I can't remember his name, the other elderly gentleman, when he, when the devil finally gets him, you, you see that he's in his house and he's holding a shotgun and you see this, this, this image of Louise. And it's like, she, she's not there, but she is. And she's wearing this kind of seductive nightgown, but she's covered in all of these wounds and blood or whatever. And then there's this like really sudden jump shot and she's like whispering in his ear and you, you can't hear what she's saying but it's like a horrible horrible scene and then the next thing you see is the neighbor putting the shotgun in his mouth and he blows his head off and it made me wonder because that scene in the beginning when louise comes upon her brother and the neighbor working on the car and the neighbor says hey pretty and it's just like it's an it's it's probably just an innocent scene but because of the title, the dark and the wicked, like you, you do start to wonder like what wicked, what wickedness was going on. And then the fact that he sees her in that moment before he kills himself and she's, you know, she's not wearing like her old muddy jeans and her shirt, you know, she's wearing kind of a seductive outfit. It makes you wonder, did he have like lustful feelings for her? I mean, yes, you know, we live in this day had... and age where we automatically think, you know, with somebody sexually molested with somebody raped whatever and i think those are good questions to ask us but it just made me wonder like was there something between them was there some kind of sexual abuse when she was young i mean i don't know this is just all these things just popped into my head in between the times that i was screaming i was actually thinking about this movie <laughs> well you know I, that's a really good point because it might be something that he felt and that he thought and it was inappropriate and, yes. you know, the devil kind of pried it out of him. Yes. But it might also be because obviously that image of Louise wasn't wasn't real. Charlie was in his trailer Charlie. and um, maybe he was feeling these feelings of loss and inadequacy mm -hmm. and maybe guilt because he hadn't. Because I think she kind of viewed him as a as a father figure in some father. ways. Yeah. So maybe that has something to do with the devil playing a trick on Charlie and... Mm -hmm. And then making him commit yeah. suicide, basically. Yeah. So it might be that. Yeah. That's, um, that's rather than rather than possible. anything actually happening between mm -hmm. them, if that makes sense. Maybe oh, no. that. That's, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it could be that he had some impure thoughts, and that the devil played yeah. with that. Oh, and that's um, that's very yeah. likely because that's what the devil does, right? You know, if, if it takes your most secret thoughts and fears, and it uses them against you. So. Um, well, then let's go to the moment where. Um, my dear listeners, Vanessa didn't scream in this instance, but she did get up and say, Ali, I hope you enjoy those knitting needles. And I was <laughs> little did I know the scene that was about to, to arrive. And this is toward this is toward the end when the devil this has basically end, like already we... kind of destroyed most of the family at this point. But yeah, that's a pretty gross. Because the nurse, right? Scene. And that's what I'm going getting at. Like the nurse that's knitting there in the corner. I always had a bad feeling about her and it was undeserved because she was actually a very um, pure kind of character. She hadn't done anything wrong. She was always lighting religious candles. Yes, she so was the very, devil kind of gets to her religious. at the end, but very it's kind Catholic. of more to, it's more towards the end that the devil gets to her, doesn't, mm -hmm. doesn't, yeah. she's kind of, um, and there's a, yeah, quite a gruesome scene. Mm -hmm. um, but it's um, it's not till the end, really. No. But there's, now, there's a, a couple of, of other really terrifying scenes in the movie. Um, Michael, 
it's it, I thought it was interesting. I think it, maybe it was a maybe it was a way of showing how close each kid was to their respective parent because Michael is the one that seems to have been closer to his mother because she's the one that seems to appear to him the most in these horrifying ways. And so again, it goes back to what we were talking about, Ali, with the, you know, the devil taking either the things that we're the most afraid of or twisting things that we have lo that we love and turning them into something horrible. So Michael first sees his mother floating outside of his bedroom, which is a scary, scary ass scene. And then a few scenes later, he goes out to check on the goats and he's in the barn and he turns around and he sees his mother walking toward him and she's naked and she has the most horrible look on her face and he is just horrified and then you know you think he closes his eyes and you think okay she's going to disappear no he opens his eyes and she's right in his face and i don't know if i screamed again i might have screamed at that point i don't know you're the one keeping track of that apparently so yeah um but so it was, again, a Mrs. was it like a mrs ganoush moment for you <laughs> From drag me to hell. You yes. know, when the face is a little bit too close. Yeah. yeah. Talk about getting it talk about getting into your into your into your personal space there. But then uh, there's a scene also where um Louise is taking a shower and all of a sudden the shower curtain is pulled open and it's her dad. And obviously it's her dad standing there. Um she's naked in the shower. I mean, I mean th that's that, that's a horrible scene just in general but you know then you see her dad like his eyes are completely white like like i don't know you, you obviously the you know that and he couldn't get up like the dad is in a coma he shouldn't be no, able that to wasn't up, him was there it? no oh, we get those white devil. eyes with the priest as well don't yeah. we the the priest that's not him yes, obviously the, it's the devil the and the, the, the eyes aren't there yeah the... exactly that's how you know so it's uh yeah Ugh, creepy eyes more cre more goats and more creepy eyes just like drag me to hell and we have other kind of scenes that are typically horror and to do with the mouth again. Mm -hmm. And we always talk about this kind of ingestion horror, but here yeah. it's something coming out of the mouth. So maybe out digestion horror, which is Ex horror ingestion and excretion horror. But the spider that comes out of his mouth, the dad's oh, mouth. Dad, and, um, when, when Louise is watching him and, and he all of a sudden she sees spiders coming out of his mouth. Oh, Christ. Yeah. Ugh. So yeah, that's as well, you know, insects are always quite a big part of, of this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and they obviously, you know, they're symbolic as well of the fact that the devil is is not just there among them. He's inside of them. He's in, definitely yeah. inside of the father. Um, yeah. So <laughs> spiders, gross. Yeah. It was funny because and... after, after we finished watching that movie and you know, because Ellie and I had a watch along and we drank wine and or I drank wine and Ellie had a cocktail and we ate pizza and it was great. But after uh, after we finished and I had gotten up to go put the rest of the pizza away, I actually we stopped. cried silently in our bed. Yes. <laughs> right. Right. I saw a spider and I screamed. No. Yes. I saw oh a spider God. and I was like, oh, shit. And then, yeah. And then but I then things went. I have I to say things it. went. I have to say, Vanessa, things went really silent at one point in the film. And I don't know if you remember this point, but another dinner table is involved. Actually, breakfast table, because it's when Michael decides to leave Louise and just say, right, that's it. I'm going I'm going yeah. back to my family. My family needs me. And when he enters the room and he enters the house and he sees them. Yeah, it's a really shocking scene. Yeah, Michael, Michael has had it. He's had enough. He, no more devil for Michael. He's like, he, I'm, he's like, I'm out of here. Save yourself. He's like, I got to go to my wife and my kids are my life, blah, blah, blah. So he leaves. 
poor Louise alone on the farm with the dad and hmm, gets to his house, walks in and is greeted by a horrific sight of his two daughters sitting at the breakfast table eating their cereal. They're dead and the wife is dead. She has stabbed the daughters to death and then killed herself. And he is, of course, devastated and there's no hope for him. So he gets his knife, pocket knife out and proceeds to slice his throat open. Oh my God, it was horrible. And as he's lying there bleeding to death, you realize it's a hallucination. They're not really there at all. The devil has, has messed with him for the last time. And then that scene ends with his wife and daughters walking in. They see him bleeding to death in the kitchen and it's just horrifying. This is and it was just that moment. Is it was just that moment where he slits his throat and he then looks up in that split second. He realizes that there's no one there. Mm -hmm. There's no one at the breakfast table. No. How terrifying. And then mm -hmm. by then it's too late and yeah. they get they find him in that state. <sighs> Did it remind you a bit of a head full of ghosts? That kind of yes. table scene a little bit with the fam family yes. scene. Yeah. So we well, covered you know, a head full of ghosts and, by Paul. Family and domestic horror is is very ripe in terms of food because if you think about it what what do families do together the most they have meals together they they eat together they cook together i mean that's where probably 95 percent of things are discussed in any family situation i mean what do families do to celebrate they they have a meal what do families do when they're grieving they they eat so it makes sense that in in this final part of Michael's life, the devil is going to take something that is probably a, a source of great joy and a source of normality for Michael, having a meal with his children and his wife, and completely tr twisting it and making it this horrible image that is essentially what is responsible for killing him. You know, it, I, I think, and I think it has even more power because of the fact that, you know, it is something simple and innocent. His daughters are eating cereal at the breakfast table, probably before they go to school. Um, you know, something that he, I bet you, in his mind as he was driving home was thinking, you know, if I get there in time, I'll maybe be able to catch them before they go to school. And so, again, it's an example of just evil being twisted into, you know, taking something of, of his greatest fears, his family being gone. And it's a kind of an, I thought it was an interesting commentary on just family overall, because he doesn't seem to have any compunction about leaving his birth family, he leaves his dad and his sister behind, um, you know, it kind of in a way, maybe like, maybe that's sort of his punishment, you know, for not, not taking care of, of the family that was his family before anybody else, you know, he's, he's the first one to bail. And um, he gets home and, and he's punished by this vision of his, his other family being killed. And that's what happens. Yeah. So it's well, just my take on is, it. I think the devil is tricking everyone in this family just mm -hmm. to get his just to kind of get the soul of the father you know, ultimately, but also he wants to do it in the worst way possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that didn't that kind of table scene with the family really reminded me of A Head Full of Ghosts by yeah. Paul Tremblay that we covered in an earlier podcast. So mm -hmm. if you haven't heard that, um, you should you should listen to that. Yes, and read the book. Just, that's also just as terrifying as this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and it's, small it's, children. Again, it's more when small children are involved. It's not it's never nice, is it? When, no. No, but it's just, you know, domestic, domestic horror, it, it, domestic horror always ties in with, you know, again, like you were talking about hereditary and I have not seen it, but I've read enough about it to understand, you know, the, the basic overall theme of what it's about. And again, family, whether you're a functional or dysfunctional family, you know, every family sits down and has a meal together. So it's a, it's very, like I said, it's a very ripe 
topic for discussion, particularly yeah, in light of, of horror. So yeah, and children, it, especially mm -hmm. even in hereditary, there are children. And yes, and, oh god, I know, but and there aren't yeah. anymore. No, <laughs> uh, I know, I've heard, but I've never actually seen that pivotal scene that we'll everybody talks about. So I'm, you're you're in for some entertainment when you watch it with me, Allie. You'll have to count the screams. So yes. So well, the listen, movie. I'm 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 the first to scream. So you know I'm there right behind you. Yes. So the movie proceeds. You know with with you know the mother kills herself. The devil proceeds to infiltrate and destroy basically the entire family. Uh, the devil gets into the nurse when the after Michael leaves. Poor Louise is there by herself. The nurse is there trying to make her feel better. The devil gets into the nurse. The nurse likes to knit. Again, another lovely little domestic uh, tableau that we're seeing there. And uh, what, in my opinion, possibly one of the worst scenes in a movie full of truly horrific images. So the devil gets inside the nurse and she can tell she's fighting it. She's fighting it. And she takes her knitting needles and she stabs herself in the stomach. And then Louise comes back in the room, sees her, and the devil tells her, stupid girl, you should have just left when you had the chance and then proceeds to stab the knitting needles into her eyes. The nurse says this to herself. It's, it's, oh God. And then- It goes on for a while, doesn't it? Yeah, it's it's not a short scene. It's quite prolonged. It's, you know, if you have a weak stomach, I don't advise watching it because I couldn't. I told Ellie, I was like, you have fun with this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna drink another glass of wine. <laughs> Vanessa left me. Sorry. Dear listeners, mm -hmm. well, you know, Sorry. on my own to watch this Sorry. scene which I totally forgotten yeah because I watched this a few years ago when it came out so mm -hmm. and it was the beginning of COVID I want to say yeah it came out in 2020 yeah mm -hmm. and so I think it, that I think... adds to the power of it as well because mm -hmm. it you know it, it it talks so much about family and and you know isolation and obviously you know we spent two years in isolation from our families and I think that's probably why it it was so powerful in so many other ways is because it it took this this idea and this trope of of family togetherness and it completely twisted it hey you know like it, the mum reminded me a bit of my mum when she was like don't come here i told you not to come <laughs> and then you know oh, it, it, you have this elderly mother in the dark and the wicked and all the goats are dead and they're all dying you know it does seem like some something has struck and it's well, been very sudden the like next time you go to the next time you go down to Naples and your mother tells you you shouldn't have come, maybe you should just go back to London. Okay, that's my maybe advice to you. Have some uh, kid with apologies to your to your dear your dear mama. What is your mother's name? Sandra. Sandra. With apologies to you, Sandra. I'm just oh, gonna oh, have like some, oh, um, okay, like Alessandra. <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay. Yeah, and my, and my great grandmother was Alessandra as well. Oh, we lovely. have no original like ideas in terms of names in the family, no. so we just keep going. That's funny because my I'm my middle name is I'm after named after my grandmother as well. Oh. Mm -hmm. What's your middle name? Jean. Jean. Yes. Yeah, so Vanessa name. Jean. So if you call me Vanessa Jean, I will automatically have a flashback to being oh. seven years old, being being scolded by my grandmother because okay. nobody could say it quite the way she could. But she did. Yeah. Yes. And especially then she then she if I did something really naughty, which I, I never did too much, but occasionally I would do something naughty. So she would say my first and my middle name and then she would proceed to curse me in Spanish. <laughs> Malcriada, that was her favorite word. Sorry. Well, families are complicated and we're going to do yes. a whole season on families, aren't we? Eventually. Yes, family, fun, family dysfunction. 
although this film does fit very well in the theme of dysfunctional families, I thought, and we thought it was still kind of devilish and satanic enough to be put into this category. Yes. Just because there are lots of references to religion and the spookiness mm-hmm. of the priest not really being there and her calling someone different and him saying, I'd never been to, I'd never met your mother. And then also in the hospital, when they have her dead body and they get given her belongings, they get a handful of crosses, don't they? So there is a very strong religious Mm -hmm. theme there. Even though none of them are religious, which is, you know, again, it it Mm. reminded me a lot of when we covered The Exorcist and we talked about that theme of of evil and evil can strike at any time, at any point. It doesn't matter if you're Catholic. It doesn't matter if you're religious. And it, it does make you, and it also makes you wonder, like, like this is never explained in the movie, but it, again, it made me think when I wasn't screaming, I was thinking, they don't really explain why the, the, why the mother believed that the devil was coming for the father. And, and you see it throughout the film. You see that, you know, he, the body is possessed at that one scene where he, you know, Louise opens the shower and her father's there. I mean, there's that scene where Louise is is watching him overnight and she falls asleep and you know next to her dad on the same bed which is a little weird but whatever um and then she wakes up and there's lipstick all over her face and it's horrifying and then she goes and she finds the the tube of lipstick under the covers I think maybe between her dad's legs so again there's this weird so the devil is playing tricks the devil is mocking like with the exorcist with Regan and the mother um, and they were I not. They were, that... they were not religious either. Remember? No, that's right. So... And he mocks them, and it is a sexual mockery as well, isn't yes. it? Isn't it? Mm-hmm. There's very much kind of shocking the shock factor. How can yeah. I shock? Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. In, in the Exorcist case, you know, obviously, you know, a lot of it was probably because she was so young, and the corruption of of her innocence, and you know, corrupting her purity. And in this case, I mean, you know, whether whether you think there was anything sexual between the father and the daughter or not you know which is you know i think there's a subtext of that but it i think it also takes just that it, it's pervert it's that perversion of something that maybe was once happy and comforting you know a, a bond of love between a father and a daughter and turns it into something that has a kind of a sick little undertone to it you know it, it's and you, and you can you know you could argue it either way you could say maybe it is the devil just doing this to be horrible and to really mess with her head or is there some kind of wickedness that the father did that this is why the devil came for him you know what i mean it could be and it could be that mystery that sometimes there are things behind closed doors that you will never find out about Mm -hmm. but the devil always knows and the devil is coming for you Mm -hmm. i mean not you obviously just one the devil is coming for us no the devil's coming for you not me (laughs) (laughs) so there it's not coming for me, honey. I'm, I already have my place in hell. I I, I earned it. I earned it years ago. <laughs> I'll see you there. I'll okay, save you. I'll save, I'll save you a seat up front. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Um. So on that note, I don't think there was anything else in terms of food. It's just those kind of bonding food scenes, bonding, you know, quote unquote bonding. Well, and then, at the beginning, know, like and then so many of their uh, the majority of the scenes were were the a lot of the action takes place happen in the kitchen. The scene of where yeah, the phone is in the prepared. kitchen, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is the phone in the kitchen? Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. You know, and and it is telling that, you know, as, as the family unit continues to break down even further, they stop eating. They stop having any, they stop communicating, they stop eating. And obviously you can't blame them because, you know, why? Well, 
Would you want to eat? Would you want to eat if the devil devil infiltrated your house? No. And how horrible was it when she's in the kitchen and she's like maybe thinking about doing something kitcheny, and then she looks down and there's blood on the sink and she has to wipe off the blood of her mother. Oh yeah. And it's like that. I I lost my appetite. I can't imagine her having any appetite. I know, right? Yeah. Yeah. So again, it it, it, the devil even takes that away. It takes away that absolutely possible that one potential little source of maybe some kind of comfort because we you know as we both know you know food is a lot of things but you know it's also comfort and this movie is about grief as much about grief as it is anything else and what do people do when they're grieving they they do things to make them feel alive they either you know go find somebody and have sex or they they stuff their faces so well yeah i mean mm-hmm. the, i just feel like the sister was so gaunt and I think she played the role so well. Yeah. We didn't have any kind of sense of there was any recovery involved there. You knew yeah. as you, and you kept saying to me as we watched the film, it's like no one, you know, there's you, you just can't see anyone surviving this. And I kept thinking, I'm sure does she not survive at the end? So yeah, mm-hmm. spoiler. She yeah, doesn't. Spoiler alert. <laughs> no, she doesn't. And it really, no one survives no and it's one worse survives. than that yeah it's mm. worse it gets worse and worse so no one, no it's one just one of those films that you don't have any kind of reprieve or you don't have that no. jokey ending where like oh they haven't survived but wait maybe they will or mm-hmm. no there's no doubt about yeah. it it's like one of the worst endings ever it, it, it's very very dark i mean and and you know the title the title tells you very that. wicked yeah, it's very dark and it, yeah um and it, it, you know, the thing about the movie is it's it's so incredibly well done. Like if you know to watch it, if you can if you can step out of the the, the film itself and, and admire the technical prowess of the of the director Brian Bertino, you know you see how incredibly well it's done because you know every single one of the scares it's not anything that hasn't already been done a million times in horror, but he he does it so well and he puts his own twist on it. And I it, you know you if, I've never watched The Strangers because that is is to me when it probably the scariest movie because it that's the kind of thing that could and does happen every day so no i can't watch that yeah. kind of film but the very few scenes of that i have seen of that movie you know it's incredibly well done and, and i think the fact that this movie scared the hell out of me <laughs> that's it's a good movie you know because i don't yeah. scare i don't scare easily but this you movie know, it's really claustrophobic it's quite claustrophobic you don't get and when they're outdoors it's also a bit claustrophobic in the sense that you get these really wide shots and it just seems so isolated and lonely mm-hmm. and also in that sense kind of claustrophobic as in within ourselves probably yeah. alone and then inside it's very dark and we haven't really talked about that house was just another, so depressing yeah, the house and how good it was that there were jump scares but it wasn't I don't know if I can use the word tacky in this context, but what I mean is that there wasn't like a buildup of sound or anything kind of to announce the jump scare. It was just, there was one that was so good. I didn't see those eyes, but I need to go back to that initial first few seconds that you say where where we can see the eyes of the devil. The devil in in that scene is is among the the goats. So it's among the goats. It's among the goats. I think my eyes were in the wrong eye line. But then the other one that I really enjoyed was when the doors open in the house and, you know, it's never a good sign when the doors open. But anyway, and the camera pans slowly and you see this figure of a man in the doorway. And then when it goes back, the mum is in the same place. Just things like that are really effective Mm -hmm. for me when it comes to elevating my sense of. Well, Brian Bertino is is a really he's he's really good at at space. If you think about it, of creating um, 
I think that there was that one, the one of the few scenes from The Strangers that I that I've seen that has stayed with me that I can't get out of my head is the scene where Liv Tyler is standing in her kitchen and there's this black door behind her. And then I don't even know how he did it. You again, you look and then one of the home invader people is there and it's the weirdest. It's the most cool and terrifying use of space. And I, I was reminded of that scene when you're in the scene that you're talking about when when Louise is going to the front door and she walks past her parents' bedroom door and there's this this outline of, of a man, it looks like. And then it, it's very quick and it's very, very jarring. And then she goes back and she sees the outline, her mother's in the doorway. And it's like literally within just a couple of seconds, it's creepy. Yeah. yeah. And then, so again, you know, from just a, a horror aesthetic, you know, that's a really well done scene. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I just described was that moment. And I didn't, like, I you know when you see when you see those outlines you're thinking did i see the right thing was that there was that just a blob or was it just you know you mm -hmm. you do you don't you're not 100% sure so yeah. they're always effective if you ask me and i love i love that there were eyes hidden amongst the goats i need i need to go back and see why i can't see that i hope i'm not watching a version that's been changed in any way because i had that with another few films where i couldn't find the yeah i don't think so elements. because no the first time i saw this i saw it on shutter and then we when we watched it again and we did a screen share it was the shutter version yeah. so it should like i said i think it's just really super super quick like you really have to be watching yeah. it or like i said if you can watch it on your on your on your laptop and then just i slow it down super slow yeah you maybe people in the uk don't get to see the devil eyes for some reason well that's well you do you have enough devils already there as it exactly. is exactly it's like too many and you're need to say mm -hmm. um after thinking about this for a really long time i decided that i am compelled to try out a recipe inspired by this film which has carrots at its core and i will do a, a carrot soup oh carrot soup sounds lovely with no fingers in it. I was going to say, please don't chop off your fingers. Why? You know, no, no fingers were harmed in the making of no carrot soup. Absolutely yes. none. Yeah, and I'm not what sure about what you? I'm going to make. I don't know. The other, you know, there's some other interesting foodie moments as well. Um, there's a lot of lot of moments of them sitting around at the breakfast table. Maybe I'll do an onion frittata. Nice. Mm -hmm. So we both took the chopping element of it because I think that's the most shocking, isn't it? So it, it really makes is. I mean, it. it yeah. Oh God. But, you know, well done horror, incredibly well done horror. And, and I think any film that can take a food reference like that and turn it into such a, a horrific moment in in horror history. I mean, I, I think it deserves to be immortalized in a recipe by by both of us. I think you're right. And, yeah. you know, it was such a pleasure, as always, to talk to you and illuminating. So thank you for watching this film with me and sharing. Thank you for thoughts. thank you for watching it with me. Thank you for sharing pizza and wine uh, virtually with me. Thank you for counting my screams. Particularly <laughs> grateful for that. And, I will uh, do that from now on. Yes, We're going to have the, the screamometer. At the screamometer. <laughs> I actually think you could probably. There's probably an app for that. You'll have to download it onto your phone, and then the next time we uh, we okay, do, we'll do watch that. along in a couple of weeks, uh, you'll have to. Yeah, well, Vanessa only screamed twice this time. Yeah, yeah. yes. But for, well, for the, when we when we cover the movie Hereditary, I think that's when you're gonna you're really gonna give the or I'm gonna give the screamometer a, a workout. So. That's it for this week's episode. Thanks for listening, and make sure to tune in for our next episode coming to you in two weeks. As always, stay spooky.
deliciously.